Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Good to be with you if you're watching online or if you're in the cafe. And uh, we're looking forward to having Greg with us next week. I mean, I, I, you could see he was really concentrating, you know. Looking forward to being with you in Burgess Hill. <laughs> Just the pausing for effect there, and uh, my favourite bit is where he nearly loses it at the end. And uh, no, but it's, Greg's a fantastic guy. He's a theologian and a great speaker, and he's very kindly agreed to come and join with us next week. So my name's Kieran. I'm going to be just spending these next few moments just initially reading from the Bible, and then uh, just saying a few things that I think God wants to bring to us today. So if you've got a Bible, you can look it up or something on your device. We've been going through the book of Colossians. William Kay, is William here today? I don't know if I can see William uh, somewhere. Yeah, William, thank you so much for what you shared last week. Um, it was just, if you didn't get here, William, really recommend going on YouTube uh, or catching up with that. Thank you so much. So we're really continuing on from that in Colossians chapter 1. If you're new to this, I mean, what is that? Already I'm speaking a language that nobody understands, Colossians chapter 1. The Bible is a book that's really a book of books, that's what it means. It's 66 different books. There's uh, what's called the Old Testament part of the Bible, the bit before Jesus Christ came and walked on this planet, was crucified and rose again and ascended back to heaven. So the Old Testament, then there's the New Testament. And the New Testament's made of a series of books. One of the books is called Colossians. It was written by somebody called Paul, writing to a church in this place, which is Colossae. It's right out just past the Mediterranean in that, in that area. And again, on the first session, Jim gave a little bit of context to that. So when I said we're going to read from the book of Colossians, that's what I'm referring to. The Bible separated into different chapters. Originally, it was just written like a letter. I don't know about you, but if I write an email or a letter, I don't put, Dear Sarah, chapter one. <laughs> I don't do that if I'm writing a letter to my wife. But to help us, um, some of the theologians and scholars have broken it into chapters and verses. Now look, I know if you've been a Christian for ages, you're thinking, oh, for goodness sake, you know, I, didn't, I don't need this. You may not need it, but there's lots of people. This is just brand new. You may be here for the very first time. You may be watching for the first time. And I want you to know, you know, you don't have to get any of that because God is a God who speaks. And actually, he speaks through this book called the Bible. That's how I'm standing here today. So when I was nowhere near being a Christian, some People that knew Jesus said, look, why don't you try reading about Jesus in the Bible? They gave me a Bible. That is why I'm here today, because the living God, Jesus Christ, spoke to me and changed my life. That's why I'm here, and that's why we spend some time looking at this. So, Colossians chapter 1, and some of you be familiar with these words, some of you won't. And I've just realized that I can't see a thing. Forgive me one second whilst I put my glasses on. So, Colossians chapter 1. Oh, it's so annoying. I'm a bookmarking and everything. It's gone now. I'm just going to read from Galatians. It's just more convenient. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, it's in here somewhere. Just talk amongst yourselves. Here we go. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 says this. He 
talking about Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Jesus, this Jesus, he, says in verse 17, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, he may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him, through Jesus Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we're going to take just a few moments to look at some of those verses. But if there's one overarching theme that comes from this short passage of Scripture is this, that he, Jesus, is supreme. He's supreme. I don't know if you know this, but Colossians, the letter to Colossians was written by St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, largely in response to the fact that there was some heresy, some false teaching had come into that particular brand new church that said, no, 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 it's not really just about God and Jesus. No, 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 no. It's really about special knowledge, special kind of super spiritual knowledge. It's really to do with the worship and praying and adoring angels and angelic beings. And Paul's like, no way, get out of town. Well, he wouldn't have said that. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ is supreme. And that's what this letter's about. That's what this passage is about. And William, thank you so much. Last week, William shared from a passage that ended the verse before I spoke. It ended like this. It says, for he, God, has rescued us from the dominion, the power of Satan, the power of darkness, and he's brought us. So God has brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, the son he loves, through whom we have redemption. William unpacked those so brilliantly. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins through his blood on the cross. And then we get to this moment, which we've just read in, one, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, where it's like, Paul, he just can't tell it. Look, he's saying, do you know what? I'm, I'm just going to stop there. I'm going to pause there for a moment. This Jesus who I've been talking about, this Jesus, this amazing good news, which earlier in the chapter he said, this good news is just, it's spreading all over the world and growing. This Jesus is supreme. There's no one like him. Angels, nerdy, nerdy, nerna to them. That's not in the Bible, that's like a paraphrase. 
angels are nothing. He alone is supreme. So much so that the passage I just read from, scholars and important people say it was like, it was like a hymn. I don't know if you know this, but one of the reasons they, they sung hymns was lots of people weren't literate. Just like if, even today, you know, it's surprising how many people struggle with reading and writing. And if that's you, I never read a book until I, was, I think became a Christian. You know, if, if you struggle with words, don't be put off by the Bible. You know, because God wants to speak to you. And the reason that people sung hymns, and actually still do, is because it's a way of understanding the amazing truth of the love of God which is displayed through Jesus Christ. And this chapter, in, or sorry, these verses in Colossians, it's like he pauses from saying, don't give me this nonsense about worshipping angels. I'll tell you who we need to worship. Jesus. And that's why they sung hymns, because of the doctrine. Yeah, I, I thought about, should I do this or not? Well, I'm going to do it. Why don't you join with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the about it, isn't it? There's something about this Jesus. Thank you for not leaving me singing it on my own here. <laughs> you, you get why Paul kind of thought, do you know, I've just got to stop and say, this Jesus, he's so much higher than angels. He's so much higher than anything else. And he starts off by saying, this Jesus he is the image of the invisible God. What, what does that mean? Does that mean in some way Jesus is less? No, when he said he's the image of the invisible God, he's like, have you heard of that thing where he said, oh, he's the spit of that person? You know? Oh, yeah, that person. You know, that, oh, she's the spit of her mum. You know, years ago when um, my son worked in Tesco doing the click and collect, I used to um, lead a church in Crawley, and he was working at Three Bridges Tesco. And bearing in mind that Jack, in, at that age, was probably in his early 20s, somebody from the church, which I led, I don't know, 25 years ago, came up to him and said, Kieran, I haven't seen you for ages. <laughs> How does that feel when you're in your early 20s and somebody thinks you look like a crusty 50-something-year-old man? I mean, it's devastating for him, but people have remarked that he looks a little bit like me. <laughs> there are some resemblances. Now, in one sense, when the Bible says he is the image of the invisible God, there is a sense of that which is being communicated, but it's so much deeper than that. It's so much more than that. 
Because actually what it means is, it means the very essence. It's not just some sort of like, yeah, there's a similarity. A bit like when Dan was saying his son went into a bookstore and saw a book with Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick, whatever his name is, the actor, the bald-headed actor, and Benji pointed at it and said, Jim. <laughs> he is the image of a former Star Trek actor, it could say, in the word. Because that, that isn't what it means. What it means is it's the very essence of the living God. He's the image of the living God, not some sort of lesser, lower being. He's the image, the exact representation of his being. It says in Hebrews, Hebrews 1.3, he is the image of the invisible God. And this is the firstborn, the firstborn of all creation. Does that mean that somehow God, you know, had this, this amazing moment where somehow he had a lesser being, a firstborn. No, actually what it's pointing to, particularly in uh, the Old Testament context, the firstborn son had the supreme right. It was the place of honor. And God was acknowledging that this Jesus Christ is the firstborn. Paul was acknowledging that this Jesus Christ was the firstborn. He had all the honor all the glory, all the power. He has no rival, Dan sings to us. Not in his own, with the band sometimes. He has no rival. He has no equal. You know that song we sing? I can't remember what it is. It's what, Amazing Grace, did you say? Amazing Grace, thank you. Yes. No rival, no equal. He's the firstborn of all creation. And by him, it says, let me remind myself. The first one, for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. I don't know why I started rocking like that as I said that. Let me read that again. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. This is Jesus. This is the Jesus that we sing to. All things were made by him. At the beginning of John's Gospel, it says the same thing. At the beginning of Hebrews, it says the same thing, that he created this very planet, that we live on. All things were made by him. John, disciple John, follower of Jesus, describes Jesus as the living word. Everything you need to know about God. If you're not sure, if you're watching today online, if you're not sure if there's a God, everything God wants to say to you is displayed in Jesus Christ, is spoken through the living word in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If that's you watching online today, he's saying that to you. You can have life through him. Or if you're listening to me here today, or if you've just woken up awkwardly and thought, where am I? 
You know that moment in church where you just say, oh, I dropped off. Oh, it's that bit where the bloke talks. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. And then interestingly, he says, whether things on earth or things in heaven, thrones, rulers, authorities, he's saying, look, all this hocus-pocus, super-spiritual stuff that Paul's addressing, because we've got to understand the original context to apply it now. Because this is true now. You ask people about God, which I do all the time. I'm fascinated to find out what people think about God, whether they believe in him or don't. There's loads of people don't believe, and, and that's fine. And, you know, I, I want to engage with people and find out why, why is that? Why is it that, you know, you, you think what you do? And there's all these different views. But Paul's saying here, it doesn't matter what sort of, like, spiritual force it is, that's behind it. Because he's, he's being clear, there's, there's good spiritual forces, there's bad spiritual forces. He's saying, Jesus is supreme above them all. And yeah, I love the way God works. We've just started something called the Alpha Course. We've got two Alpha Courses running. We do one on a Tuesday night online. And I've got the privilege of uh, helping, uh, uh, Phoebe's helping with that. And uh, on, on a on a Monday night, we've got another wonderful group of people. Bobby and Catherine are leading that group. I've got the privilege of just being around that as well. So we, first week, we go around and say, how did you end up here? Okay. One lady said, she said, I came in here for a coffee on a Sunday morning and didn't realise the coffee shop wasn't open. And somebody said, oh, do you want to come into church? And she was too embarrassed to say no. <laughs> She's polite. She didn't want to come. But she came in. And she's on Alpha now. Right? Somebody else, how did you end up here? She said, well, all my life I've been an atheist. No belief in God, quite the opposite. So I decided to read Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, read it, thought that's ridiculous. There must be a God. <laughs> so she's come on Alpha. She's not a, a Christian yet, but she's exploring that. Everything on earth, everything in heaven, he is supreme. He's supreme. Oh, we've got to get on. What time is it? How much longer have I got? Four hours. Four hours. We're not even through this yet. <laughs> Dan, come on up. Let's move on, because otherwise we're not going to finish these verses. And I'll get fired. Um, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I don't know if you know this, but again, going back to the original context... Weirdly, it's just amazing how things happen. When Paul wrote this, I think he was in prison. I've got that right, isn't he? He was in prison. He'd never met these Christians, but he wanted to encourage them. So he's writing from his prison cell to encourage these Christians about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And he uses these, verse, these words, in him all things hold together. Probably simultaneously, with them receiving this letter and receiving this letter, there was a massive earthquake across the region where Colossae is. A, a literal kind of fracture in the earth as the, is constantly around the world. And these words ring out, in Christ, all things hold together. 
So look, you're sitting here today. Is that how you feel? That you feel like there's been an earthquake in your life? Where maybe there's fractures in your relationship with your partner or fractures in relationship with your family or children or you've been devastated by a job loss or a diagnosis. See, in this amazing Jesus, all things hold together. Now the context obviously is talking about, you know, interesting, it says in Hebrews that, that Jesus Christ sustains everything by his powerful word. You know, the reason the, the earth hasn't spun off into, you know, out of space is because the word of Christ, the creative word of Christ sustains us even now on this broken, fallen, damaged planet, which is still so amazing. You know, the, one of the reasons we've got a team here uh, as part of our, our vision as a church to be passionate about caring for God's planet is because it is amazing. And he stewarded us with the responsibility for this care. And we want to make a difference. There's a climate crisis that is affecting. The reason we sent money to Kenya, as Jim said, is because of the climate crisis. You know, the reason is every time we wake up in the morning in sunny southeast England, it's raining, is because there's a climate crisis. And yet, somehow, I believe that Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. So if your life is creaking at the moment, he will sustain you if you reach out to him. I'm not trying to be simplistic. I know it's not as easy as that. And even for these poor people who experience, I don't know what the earthquake was like for them. You know, God's not unaware of our suffering and, and the, the challenges in the, word, in the, in the world. So let's, let's move on, because otherwise we, we, we won't finish this. Um, and then it says in verse... 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He might have the supremacy. I don't know if you've heard of that, the expression, uh, oh, that person's a, a goat. It doesn't mean they're particularly unattractive. It means they're the greatest, it's an acronym, the greatest of all time. You heard that expression before? It's like there's a new thing called FKT, fastest known time. So if somebody's going to run a marathon up, up and down, I don't know, Kilimanjaro, FKT, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. So there's a debate. Is, was Pele, who recently died, footballer, sorry for using a football analogy. I'm not actually, because I think it's quite interesting. Um, Pele, greatest footballer of all time, was he? Or is it Messi? Or is it Ronaldo? You know, who's the greatest? Okay, Show of hands, who thinks Messi's the greatest footballer of our current generation? Put your hand up. Okay, not many. What about Ronaldo? What about people that hate me now for using a football analogy? <laughs> Actually, more on than both of those, so that's interesting. I might use another one then, just for you. Here's something remarkable. It says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Now, in this instance, in some places in the Bible, you know, there's a sense that it's like we're, the church is described as the body of Christ, but actually, interestingly, in Corinthians, it says, but one person might be an eye or whatever, you know, so 
Don't get too caught up if you could answer that, please. If that, if that ain't Jesus calling, hang up. <laughs> sorry, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I really am sorry. I, I can't remember what I was saying. Somebody remind me. Head of the church. Thanks, Jim. That's all right. If that ain't Jesus, no, we've been there, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, I've said that already. Um, he's head of the church. So, so in this sense, it isn't like thinking, oh, head, like with some like body, with, with the body without Jesus is some sort of like weird sort of corpse that's headless. No, 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 no. When it says here he's the head of the body, it's talking about him being the supreme one, the head, the chief, the greatest of all time. No argument. It's not like a show of hands about Pele, Messi, Ronaldo. He is the undisputed heavyweight, died, risen saviour of the world. He has no rival. He has no equal. He's supreme. I'm lunging with glasses and Bible. This is a new thing for me. Normally... We have a sweepstake with my family. Is it going to be single Godfinger or double Godfinger? It's Bible and glasses today. Bear with me. If you don't normally come to this church, next week there'll be a normal speaker coming. He's the greatest of all time. There's no one else. I realize I'm making Greg Downs look normal. <laughs> He's the head. Here's something remarkable. Jesus created every planet, star, solar system, every micron, atom, mountain with a word but he took his incarnation, his life, his death, his resurrection to bring you and I into God's family. He couldn't save us with just, or he chose not to save us with just a word. Took him humbling himself. You know, so Dan said to me, you know, what, how do you want to respond to this? And, Sing one of the songs I wanted to sing, but I thought oh, it's just not the right time. Is Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Because it isn't that moment, but you know, God and sinners reconciled. Oh, that's why we're here. He, he could have spoken, I mean, God's God, He could have rescued you and me, but Jesus came, born in a crummy old stable. The supreme one, born in a crummy stable, chased out of town by a murderous king. Oh, and he's the head of all things. We need to finish this. For it says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And in Colossians 2.9, it 
It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity live in bodily form. It's not like he's some sort of lesser. He's fully God. Fully God, fully man, and yet fully God. Yeah, of course he laid down some of his divine sort of privileges, if you want to call them that. But he's fully God, Jesus. Fully God. I need to move on, otherwise we're not going to finish this. So I wanted to say more about that. But let me just finish with this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's like this amazing kind of finish. And I love the way that, as William finished last week with those verses, for he has rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, his beloved son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have the redemption of sins. And he, he goes then into this amazing hymn. And then at the end of the hymn, it's saying, through him we have reconciliation, forgiveness, and redemption through his blood. It's come full circle. And you notice it's actually him it's God who's the reconciler. He's the one who takes your brokenness. He's the one who takes your guilt and shame and says, come on, I want you in my family. I want to rescue you. I, I want to I call you out. Yeah, I listened to a, a podcast called Real Survival Stories. And it's, it's amazing, true stories, partly narrated by the people that have survived. The last one I listened to was about a family that um, sold up everything. In the 1970s, uh, one of the children was 18, and he's the one kind of narrating it. Mother and father sold everything. They bought a boat and sailed around the world. They were going across the Pacific, and three killer whales attacked their boat and sank it in the middle of the Pacific. It's an amazing story. But here's what struck me. So this happened in 1971. The guy who's talking about how their family survived for, I think, six weeks in the open sea. And he talks about the moment when the trawler that they saw changed course and was coming towards them. And they said they felt the hands of the fishermen pulling them onto the deck. And how they realised... They've been saved. And you could tell as he's speaking it. I mean, 1971, that's, that's so long ago. And yet it's just living with him. He has rescued us. You know that sense of rescue? Imagine what that must have felt like when you think you're going to die and you get plucked. God has rescued us from all the powers of hell and brought us into the kingdom of the son, this beloved son he loves, through whom you and I have forgiveness of sins. Does that make you want to sing a hymn? Yes. Makes you want to sing a hymn. Dan, I feel a hymn coming on. Hit it, mate.
But it's seriously... This is a moment maybe for you to just reflect on your own rescue by God. You know, if you, if you have said, Jesus, I know you've done an amazing thing. Look, maybe today, maybe, I look, maybe you've been, you're just thinking, God, thank you for your rescue. Maybe you're living in the fault line of an earthquake. Look, God, cry out to God. God, please rescue me in my broken moment. But equally, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I want to be rescued. I want to be rescued by Jesus. I want to be taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun he loves. And if that's you, I'd love to pray with you and for you. I invite us here, if you're happy to maybe close your eyes and I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead you in a prayer that's saying, Jesus, I need you to rescue me. He's the one that can take your sin away. He's the one that can forgive you. He's the one that can wipe your guilt and shame away. He's the one that can bring you into his kingdom. He's the one that can welcome you into, your, into his family. And you simply do that by saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. Say it now in your hearts. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin, for rebelling against you, God. Thank you, you died on the cross for me. I receive your forgiveness. I give my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.